it was around 8 eh, in, in the evening. So we just had our dinner. And from when my colleague told me that Ate Gloria was shot, she was rushed to the to the nearest hospital at the time. And then right there, I, I, I don't know. I, I was I know I was in disbelief. I I I I searched for reason. I started rationalizing what's what's going on and why Ate Gloria. That's the voice of Veronica Kabe, better known as Derek. Derek is an activist in the Philippines. She's describing the moment that she first heard about the murder of her friend and fellow campaigner, Gloria Capitan. Gloria, a 57-year-old grandmother, was shot dead in the Bataan province of the Philippines. She had been opposing a local cold storage facility and power plants which she believed polluted her town, sickened her family and covered the coastline in ash. In the weeks running up to her death, she had been repeatedly threatened and intimidated. But Gloria refused to be silenced. Derek continues her work, unmoved by fear, she is the coordinator of the Call Free Bataan movement. This is Defenders of the Earth. I am Vanessa Nakate and we are telling the story of the climate crisis through the defenders on its front lines. In this episode, we take a look at the work of Derek Kabe and local communities in Bataan, Philippines. The Call Free Bataan movement was set up in 2015. It's been campaigning against the environmental damage and forced displacements caused by the ongoing development of the vast coal-fired power plant built in Bataan province. We call the province now as a coal-fired power plant hub in the region because coal-fired power plants have expanded. And from in 2012, there was one coal plant and now there are three coal-fired power plants operating at the moment. And so this is the highlight of our campaign uh, right now. We are campaigning against these dirty sources of energy. Aside from this, the businesses that's been claiming the fishing grounds of our fishers community, coastal towns are being driven away because of the Manila Bay Reclamation Project. They are reclaiming the coastal areas for businesses no, related to coal, related to big uh, development projects, but they are, you know, um, removing away people, removing away communities. So we, we are resisting that. The plant is owned by the energy company San Miguel Consolidated Power Corporation, a wholly owned subsidiary of the Filipino giant San Miguel Corporation. I think what's the most important thing that we were able to do is that we were able to organize communities, uh, the coal hosting communities. They were being asked to, to you know, to to leave their lands and uh, accept uh, some package proposals that are were very much, uh, you know, disregarding most of their human rights and. 
with the campaign, we were able to educate these communities and then we were able to make them stand up and uh, step up for, for the protection of their rights. And they were able to, you know, hang on and uh, stood up in their communities. And the coal-fired power plants are already, you know, uh, operating, but they were able to demand from the government and from the businesses uh, to recognize their their human rights, their rights to clean and uh, healthy environment, like uh, the, the air pollution that's been causing them health problems to the communities. And we were able to, you know, uh, lobby the government to, you know, um, put some restrictions or if there are no laws, you have to make laws. No? So it's, it's, it's still, uh, it's still a, a huge fight. It's uh, still a long way to go, but the amount of communities that we are able to organize is somewhat a victory for us already. These victories often don't make huge headlines. Right now, this government is really critical when they hear something that's against them. Gretchen Malalad is a freelance journalist based in Manila. She works mostly with organizations such as Al Jazeera and the BBC. Anyone who speaks about the government or any issues even when it comes to not only environmental issues, but when you say anything against the government. I mean, I also reported about the drug war and I have received death threats from reporting on the drug war. So it it limits us. I mean, there are some journalists who become afraid, but I think uh, it, it just makes it our jobs more dangerous, but we still do it. We still report it. Access to also information from the land defenders themselves. Sometimes they don't want to be interviewed because if they, you know, they're also afraid that when they say something against the government, you know, that the lack of this, the lack of funding from the environment, you know, they would say that, They're communist sympathizers, you know. It's not only land defenders, also human rights activists and people who speak against the government. People get red tagged now, even journalists. Red tagging is the name given to the systematic vilification or criminalization of activists and any other critics and dissenters to the government. Leon Dulce is an organizer with the Kalikasan People's Network for the Environment. It's rooted in the anti-communist movements or propaganda, you know, since the 60s, 70s, and it's still persisting here in the Philippines because we have a persisting armed conflict in the Philippines by communist guerrillas. And so it has been a strategy, especially by government, to try to label activists, to try to label critics as supporters of these uh, communist guerrillas and supporters of these armed revolutionaries, to try to paint you, you know, red tag you as a terrorist yourself, uh, as, as, a, as a, an enemy of the state yourself. And so they do this uh, informally through trolls on Facebook, for instance, constantly tagging you on their posts that you are a terrorist, that you are a communist. It happens in national media where government 
officials repeatedly tag you again as as communists as terrorists in their public hearings in their media interviews it's also manifested in a lot of documents being released by government you you are listed in official publications by government as supposedly supporters of terrorists and communists but for derek fighting the disinformation campaign is just part of the daily life of being an activist in the Philippines. It's becoming a huge challenge for people like us, environmental uh, rights defender at the moment, especially, uh, you know, uh, progressives and legitimate protesters and dissenters, uh, environmental defenders are being lumped together as a terrorist, you know, as a, an enemy of the state especially now that they are criminalizing you know, the decriminalization of uh, activism all forms of activism so be it be it political activism or or environmental human rights defenders they they lump it together with 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 the usual suspects like terrorists in fact they have this um uh, law right now that they're weaponizing it's called anti-terrorism law uh, that is uh, being used against the the legitimate dissenters and and activists and activists at the moment so it is very difficult because communities like our communities we just you know we just actively voice out our opposition to the presence of of this uh, dirty energy business and we just protect our human rights we just protect our our rights to have a livelihood our right to to have clean air have our right to have a clean and healthy environment you know? some people in power have uh, very much influence you know, to the authorities to the to the government that is supposedly supposed to be protecting the rights of the people and instead of protecting the rights of the people they are you know weaponizing laws which is detrimental which is injurious to the people itself people that is protecting their rights you no know, that is defending their rights so so that's the that's the difficulty of the situation right now eh? an already dangerous environment has been made worse by the covid-19 pandemic which has allowed the government even greater controls over people's freedoms. Gretchen Malalad. There's some sort of militarization how the pandemic is being handled here in the country. And you can say there's a use of force and that is somewhat being used against land defenders. And there are occasions that they wind up being shot by state forces and sometimes unidentified assailants you know so this i think people uh those assailants or are more brazen now are more brazen now because uh since 26 you know president Duterte has this whole war on drugs there's thousands of so-called um they said drug addicts being executioned I think it's more uh the land defenders now are it's more a dangerous place now for land defenders I think. The 1st of July 2016 is a date forever etched on Derek's memory. It was the first full day of Rodrigo Duterte's presidency. 
He won power on a platform that promised to safeguard the country's rural and indigenous communities, tackle corruption, and protect the environment. It was also the day that Derek's colleague, Gloria Capitan, was killed. I met Ate Gloria in the last quarter of 2014. A friend uh, introduced me to her because her community is one of the is where a coal stockpile was operating. So she asked uh, directly if uh, what can we do to help her in addressing the issues. And so that's how we started. And then uh, we started a campaign against the operation of this the coal stockpile in, in her communities. She volunteered to launch the petition within, in the community and she was able to gather around 2,000 signatures. No? And she was able to convince some of her neighbors to organize their community organization. So she she volunteered without expecting without expecting anything from us. Like for me, she's you know, she's a great contribution and she's she's been a lot of help to to the campaign. It's like when she she died, it's like my 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 right hand was you know cut you know, from my body. It's it's how I felt that time. In the year leading up to Hamada, Gloria told her family and friends about a series of threats she had received. She had had reports of her home being watched and later told colleagues that company representatives had visited her and offered money to end her campaigning as she saw it to buy her silence. She died at the time when we are in the middle of the fight and we are gaining victories. And um, she felt very inspired. And I think she was getting her commitment deeper in the campaign. So that was when she was killed. She was killed in her in her own karaoke bar. She was talking with her colleague, with her two grandchildren who was, you know, singing in a karaoke. Suddenly, two men riding in a motorcycle, one of them get off from the motorcycle and then entered into the karaoke bar and then hold her on the neck, then shot her, like, right there and then her two grandchildren and and Ate Herminia who was in front of her when she was when she was shot and the man just went out of the of the karaoke bar and then rode off to the motorcycle and then fled off that's that's how it, it was too fast and she 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 she, she, she just lie there so that's how she was killed she may have been the first campaigner to die during Rodrigo Duterte's presidency, but she wasn't the last. Far from it. In the first three full years of Duterte's government, Global Witness reports that at least 121 land and environmental defenders were killed, a significant increase from 56 deaths in the three years prior to his term. Over half of them have died at the hands of the army or paramilitary organizations. And recent years have seen some dark days 
for bloodshed. It's being called Bloody Sunday. Nine people are killed in raids against suspected communist rebels in the Philippines. The UN Rights Office said eight men and one woman were killed as the authorities executed search warrants before dawn on Sunday. Human rights activists say those who died had one thing in common. They were freedom fighters who were outspoken critics of the government. On March 7th, 2021, the Calabazon raids also referred to as Bloody Sunday, took place. It was a series of operations conducted by the Philippine National Police and the Philippine Army, resulting in the death of nine activists and the arrest of six individuals. Once again, the government claimed the pretext of a crackdown on terrorists. The UN themselves have condemned the attacks. Ravina Shamdasani is a spokesperson for the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. Now, the government has informed us that the operation was based on search warrants issued in the context of counterinsurgency campaigns against the New People's Army. We are deeply worried that these latest killings indicate an escalation in violence, intimidation and harassment and red tagging of human rights defenders. Tragically, Many defenders in the Philippines have a story of murder to tell. Leon Dulce again. I've seen a lot of violence experienced by people I personally know, by people I work, personally worked with. It's shocking sometimes to just find out in the news that someone who was just with you in a solidarity mission or an investigative mission on mining or on agribusiness was all of a sudden uh, executed in plain sight. Uh, and so while a lot of killings happened in the rural countryside, the trend right now is uh, the attacks are already happening here in the cities across the Philippines. And so these are the worst things that could really happen. And it's happening on an uh, exponentially increasing basis. It's becoming more violent. There are more massacres happening. Since uh, December last year, uh, after the government passed uh, the implementing rules and regulations of the anti-terrorism law, which, which red tags or vilifies, criminalizes activists and other critics and dissenters, there was a sudden surge of mass arrests and uh, massacres as well across the Philippines. So, so this has been a pattern that has continued up to this date. No? They keep trying to criminalize us because we have a very vicious anti-terrorism law that allows arrests without warrants, that allows the freezing of assets and other human rights abuses if you are declared as a terrorist, if you are declared as a member of uh, armed insurgents in the Philippines. And there has been a trend of people actually being killed after months of systematic red tagging, people being incarcerated after being filed with fake charges in court, again claiming that we, we, we harbor illegal firearms or explosives, implying that again we are communists and we are terrorists in the Philippines. So we live with this threat every day. Of course, we fear for our lives. We fear for our safety. But 
we think that by consistently being in the public view, standing up for what is right, what is truthful, what is just, would be the, our best defense against these attacks against our, uh, our rights here in the Philippines. The government has repeatedly sought to undermine the validity of the campaigners by criminalizing them and their work to protect their land and our planet. In front of the camera, President Duterte's rhetoric whips up his supporters. In this 2018 speech, he suggests what should be done with female campaigners. He says, there is a new order coming from the mayor. We will not kill you. We will just shoot you in the vagina. This will make you useless. It's been five years since the death of Gloria Capitan and not much has changed. Still killings continue. In 2020, Global witness data showed that 29 defenders were killed. The threats and intimidations towards those standing up against them continue. But for Derek Kabe, they serve as a constant reminder of why she fights. These incidents always have its impact no, to me or on myself as a frontline defender because when you challenge, uh, challenging huge interests, you know, business interests, have its consequences, so have its risks. You, you are punching right in the in the nose those those people who are behind. Uh, they do not want you to speak up. They do not want you to to protect your rights. You have to face the consequences. It makes you braver. You know? For me, for me, it, it somehow gives me more courage and strength because um, that means I am doing the right thing. It's like you have no choice eh? because the the violations and the abuse and the you know violations to your rights are, you know, they pursue, they they keep on going and. Um, if you stop, uh, who, would, who would act on behalf of you? These are home communities that's being robbed of their right, rights. No? And what can you do? So I believe that together as one community, transform our individual strength into enormous power that can stop the culprits and maybe make them pay in the future because we are the people and the power resides in us. This has been Defenders of the Earth. It is a Whistledown and Global Witness production. <laughs>